It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. It helps. This meeting is being recorded. Okay. Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Permission for this. Oh, are we going live? That's it's a setting I've set up on my end just to let people know that I'm starting the recording process where we have not gone live yet, but I'm about to do that. It's so. nice if okay. you go to ask. You're asking consent, and yes. in this day and age, that is yes, that's big smart. deal. Can I record <laughs> you all? Is that cool? Thanks. So yeah, that's kind of weird. But yeah. All right. So does this look right. too much like urine? Is this odd? What is that? It's not urine. It's uh, like vitamin water. It I happened. thought it was apple apple juice for a second. Okay, but yeah. I mean, not urine. <laughs> I thought it was straight whiskey, and that's pretty awesome too, I suppose. So I'm not, you know, I don't think they want me to teach. <laughs> no, <laughs> weird. All right, all right. Yeah. I'm gonna hit the go button here. So now it's leaking. That's even better. That's it. <laughs> it is whiskey. Gosh darn it! <laughs> what is happening? Okay, so this is scary. I'm not gonna lie. Like the idea of doing this live is Why? a little scary. What's scary? We did it recently, it? right? Yeah, we just well, did it. I know, but not <laughs> not a podcast though. Well, but, but what's the difference though? It's I mean, we, I mean, I guess it's with a you know with a guest that kind of thing, sure. But I mean, I think I it is. It's because we're with Al and he is professional and we're not and. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I've never done a live show either. So I've uh, we we have great editors. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Would we you have know? zero editing. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I gotta be on my game. <laughs> yeah, get all the language out now. No, it's fine. I, I always like it when we have a guest. It's like, is it okay if I cuss? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, shit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Eric. Eric's checking in. Eric uh, is. Uh, yeah, he's he's been doing some awesome stuff lately. So, our, our Eric Neunschwander. Yes, yes, yes. Eric, Eric has one of the most fun German last names, Neunschwander, which I just like saying because I like. Yeah, that's right. German. You're part German. You know what it means in German? New. Uh, he told us new, new. New. Eric, tell us again. I'm sorry. I'm a schmuck and I forget. <laughs> I only took five years, so I mean, I can I can say things. I just don't. Like I could order a beer and go to the bathroom, which I guess in that order is good. When I was a kid for Christmas one year, my, my dad gave me a, a German swear word like tape that you put in to kind of like learn how to say different swear words. And the stuff that I really retain about German is, is basically things like Du hast einen großen Balkonen and other things like that. So I'm not going to tell you. Uh, it's, I mean, not appropriate for our show. This so. is going all sorts of well with our lives. <laughs> We're off to a smashing start. Smashing. <laughs> uh, Eric says it's Swiss. So. Oh, see, now I'm worse off. Anyway. Worse off. Yeah. I, I lost an earring somewhere between the beginning of this podcast and now. So. I thought it was sort of like that 80s fashion where you only had like the one earring now. Like George Michael look. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Michael. He, oh. I miss that. I mean, not that I knew him, but anyway. Hi, Al. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing awesome. Thank you both for having me. Speaking of Thanks last for joining name, us. 
what does your last name translate to? Is it a family, like Malafronte, is it, what does it translate to? Bad forehead. You all could be the judge of that. But uh, yeah, that sort of means bad forehead. So yeah, that, it's unfortunate translation. <laughs> that is brilliant. I like that. I know you got like a lot of Italian families that have names that translate to like strength and, you know, yeah. grit and all this like cool stuff. But yeah, mine's, uh, mine's bad forehead. So somewhere down the line, you had an ancestor that didn't have a great forehead. Yeah, something like that. I know. And I tell you the truth, I'm full Italian and there's a whole yeah. bunch of different Italian last names thrown in there. I don't even know what any of the other translations are. I should probably take the time to, that's okay. to look no, that up. <laughs> I mean, I hope I didn't embarrass you with that. I think that's wonderful. I think I'm wearing a hat, Chris, so you can't embarrass me with this hat on. <laughs> I will not say anything, no. Do people, do people slaughter your last name? Because I mean, it's pretty phonetically spelled, but people can't last names anyway you get a lot of malafrance um okay. it, the spelling more so i not so much the pronunciation more so the spelling okay but again i mean it's spelled phonetically it doesn't seem like it's that challenging you get a lot of e's in place of the second uh in place of the second a but okay. yeah it's not it's not too not too bad i feel like ben's would be more oh, yeah. difficult uh for people to get off the bat all the time Ben, you're on mute. Have you not learned how to do Zoom? I have learned, and uh, it, for some reason, it had me in the chat window for some reason. So I was hitting spacebar so I could speak. Technology, it's baffling. Yeah, I don't know how any of this stuff works. So, yeah, no, people butcher my name for sure. And it's, I mean, it's usually Neanderthal, which there's not even an R in there. And so, yeah. but I, I get it. Like the, in German, the proper pronunciation would be Neidenthal. This is fascinating stuff, by the way. Um, <laughs> I can hold rooms with this, but uh, yeah, so, yeah. Al, you have Butcher to... my name is the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, you have to understand that Ben and I have known each other since, what, 1995? Yeah, 95-ish, yeah. So, yeah. so if we poke rude fun, just understand this is normal. Yeah. We, we don't actually hate each other. We... No. <laughs> we just rip on each other a bit, so yeah. Yeah, it's a great dynamic. I've listened to a few of your shows before, and I think oh. it works really well. So well, that's you. that's always fun. Thank so you. So, how did you start your podcast? I'm, I'm. Yeah, first off, tell us where the idea for the podcast came. I'm really excited. It's I haven't talked to many other podcasters, so I'm interested to see where everything started. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that you two go back 15 years. So I guess you're high school friends. Okay. So it's kind of the same thing here. What happened was I've always loved baseball and theater. Um, and I had a couple friends from high school who were kind of in the same boat. And um, it, it's really funny and really simple the way it started. We, uh, we were living in the city and we would get together, watch Yankee games um, during the week and order some pizzas. And by chance I had tickets to an upcoming I had tickets to go see Beetlejuice on Broadway last summer and I was pretty stoked about it. I was supposed to go with someone who was no longer in the picture. Um, I asked my buddy Scotty if he wanted to come along with me. Uh, we were pretty stoked about it and the Yankees were having this great season. Um, we, we would watch these games and, you know, for the few other buddies and just have these great conversations about how stoked we were to see the show and what we were looking forward to seeing about it. Yeah. 
um, and a lot of things about Broadway and baseball is probably our first language. And we're like, you know, we should just do a podcast. We should do a podcast for, you know, folks like us and like sports and the arts, which is uh, certainly uh, a niche market, but we're just like, yeah, hey, let's do it for fun. Um, and it's not that rare. I mean, like, even as, as you guys have proved with the podcast, like, it's legit. There's a lot of people that like both mediums. And <laughs> yeah, we've learned that. I mean, that was the, that was the thing. Cause we had launched like an Instagram alongside the, you know, yeah. the podcast that we were recording into laptop speakers last spring and the Instagram gained a little bit of a following and then the, the podcast got bigger. And then next thing you know, here we are a year later. Wow. I feel like niche markets are kind of, that's what podcasting is exactly geared towards too, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah, it's, it's a smart crossover. It is. Like how did you, go ahead. No, it had been done before. And that was, that was the other thing too. You know, you always want to try to come up with something unique because uh, all the, you know, you could turn on NBC or CBS, any of this, all these other profile shows that they do and, you know, get the same generic stuff. So, you know, I'm sure as you two know that a podcast following is very, um, a podcast fo following is very loyal and yeah. it's a big commitment too, because you're recording for an hour plus usually. So you want to give them something a little different than they're, uh, than they're used uh, to. We didn't tell you, Al, we go for like six hours. Are you good with that? <laughs> the Yankees got, got rained out in Atlanta tonight. So I have a, I have a, I have a little bit of time. So you're I think good. we're good. That's why you came on. He's like, no, it's fine. I won't keep you for six hours, I promise. I don't want to be in this building for six hours. It's Come midnight, haunted. that's when the ghosts really start getting active. You know, they come out and start playing <laughs> shuffleboard and thing. They actually, so let me give a little background to our mass following that I'm sure is on Facebook right now. I can't see, but. Um, I'm recording in my place of business just because at my home, uh, I can't hear anything. So I come to my place of business and this building is rumored to be very haunted. And I have seen a few things that have happened. So I'm like, cool, that's fine. That's, that's okay. The ghosts and I have an understanding that I don't want to see them and I will stay out of their way. That's all. That's my story. So I'm in this creepy building and as soon as this is done, I might put one of you on the phone and be like, just walk me out of here and make sure that nothing happens. <laughs> no. Are you a ghost believer, Al? Uh, loosely. You know, you, actually in baseball, we talk about that a lot, especially like, you know, being from New York, we used to talk yeah. about the ghosts of the old Yankee Stadium and whatnot. Uh, so uh, loosely. I, and I don't think I'm like, I don't, I've never felt like I've been haunted. Though, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. What, it, what is it about Yankee Stadium? What are the stories? Well, you know what it was? There was a lot of tradition and the way uh, they certainly had some great players, I'm sure. I know you guys are Ohio, but there's a little rivalry here with the Boston Red Sox. And uh, it was believed that Babe Ruth, who was the Red Sox best player, yeah. ironically, he was sold to the Yankees for the Red Sox owners to fund, to fund a play, actually. I think it was called... Uh, I should know this, Dear Dear Nanette or something like that. No, no, Nanette. No, no, Nanette, yes. And uh, that I can help you with, not the baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened was after he got traded to the Yankees, so the Red Sox had won the World Series in 1918. He was, he was on the Red Sox. Got traded to the Yankees in 1920, and the Red Sox did not win um, up until 
2004, the curse ended. But throughout all those years from 1918 to 03, uh, all this crazy stuff would happen whenever the Yankees would play the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium. And it was like kind of like an ongoing thing, like the ghosts are coming out tonight. Like when the Yankees yeah. would mount these improbable comebacks, like against all odds and always find a way to beat the Red Sox, they kind of attested it to that. So yeah. uh, I certainly believe in baseball ghosts. Unfortunately, uh, the Red Sox, if, if there's any, you know, intervention on behalf of ghosts, they've gotten a lot more lately because since 2004, they've had a lot more luck than the Yankees. <laughs> Were you, so you were basically born as a Yankees fan. Was that? Yeah, I kind of had no choice because uh, <laughs> it was my dad grew up in Brooklyn and a lot of people in Brooklyn. I feel like I hope that you, your fans find this interesting here, but a lot of people in Brooklyn grew up Mets fans because what happened was you had the Brooklyn Dodgers there who relocated to Los Angeles. And what ended up happening was when they left, a lot of their, their fans weren't going to become Yankee fans. The Yankees used to beat up on the Dodgers. It was a big rivalry. And then the Mets came along in the National League. So you had a lot of, there was a big divide between American League and National League teams. Yeah. You had a lot of folks who uh, became Mets fans. Most of them didn't like the Yankees. But my dad did happen to grow up in an era where Mickey Mantle was playing for the Yankees, you know, one of the best of all time. So it's like kind of like what choice did he have? So when you're kind of born into that glory era of Yankee baseball, you pass it down. And, uh, that's kind of what happened with me. <laughs> when, how old were you when you went to your first game? Six. You and was the vague recollections. Like, I can't remember anything that happened on the field. I do know Andy Pettit pitched, though. He's a great Yankee pitcher. I, was... They played baseball. You can just say that. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> that'll work for me. I mean, that's. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got Eric, who is dropping knowledge bombs over in our, our chat window. He's uh, he's talking Let about the curse that. of the Bambino and Aaron Boone's walk-off home run. That's right. Yeah. So he, he knows his stuff. He's 2003, yeah. the last of the glory years, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Eric this is, is this is the perfect crossover for Eric right now. Yeah. So these two things. Eric, so. you need to stop listening to my podcast and listen to Al's because you will learn so much more. Or, or listen to both, Eric. Don't yeah, let's not be yes. hasty about this. You can listen to both podcasts. It's cool. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just give me one hour and give you know Chris and Ben six, and you're you're good. <laughs> it's just it's even ratio. Six hours, Al. I was kidding. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. So anyway, you saw your first game when you were six. Like, did you guys go often, or is that? Yeah. Um, we grew up not that far from where the Yankees played. We grew up in Long Island, so the Bronx is not that far. We didn't go to a ton of games. It's actually kind of funny. We probably went to an equal number of Broadway shows as we did Yankee games. My dad was more the type that – he was the type of fan that enjoyed watching the game on TV more in the comforts of his own home than actually going to the stadium. We went to some epic ones, don't get me wrong, but I've, it's funny. I found myself going a lot more – in recent years, let's say if when I was a kid, we'd go an average of three, four times a year, you know, in substance, like from high school on, it was like, I was going, if I could, like a dozen times a year. So I'd probably go a lot more now, but the times that when I did go as a kid, definitely stand out because that was really a, that was, you know, I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm a baseball fan first. And I got to see a lot of great baseball for yeah. a very special period in uh, Yankee history. Yeah. Did you play when you were a kid? I did. I wasn't good, but I did play. <laughs> <laughs> but it gave you an appreciation. And an yes. Understanding. That's good. 
Of course. Yeah. And you know what, that's kind of what even that took the interest, I think a step further because like I always, I always wanted to be good. And yeah. I played baseball before I started watching the Yankees regularly. And I, it was funny, you know, as much as you practice, um, I think there was a lot to be said for watching consummate pros like that, especially with, you know, those late nineties Yankee teams. So it was like kind of brought into me for my dad, you know, you should watch the games with me every night. You're going to get better as a player. If you watch how these guys play the game. And that's when it, I was like eight at that point. That's kind of when it went to the next level. Did you want to like, was that a childhood dream was to play professional baseball someday? Yeah. My sixth grade yearbook, I think it has like, you know, what, what you're going to be like when you, grow up and it was like future all-star shortstop for the Yankees so that that, that was the dream at least through like age 12 or so <laughs> so I'm not gonna lie but I was thinking about this when I was thinking about our conversation like I do recall when I was a kid I was going to be the first female professional baseball player that was a career aspiration for a while I don't think I've ever told you that Ben but the problem not. <laughs> I never actually played baseball so um Needless to say, that didn't happen. Um, Step one, take up baseball. And <laughs> no, yeah, I, no check on that one. No, uh, that was, but there were also other aspirations. Like I was going to be an astronaut, just like every other kid. Um, but yeah, and also I think at one point uh, an Olympic gymnast, but I only did a year of gymnastics. So that same like sports thing happened there. I guess you have to do the sport to do professional we had a league of their own right around that point. That's, I think it came out, what, like early nineties, like very impressionable age for you. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Right. Pretty epic. movie. I wish I could say that was the cause, but this was like age four, age five. Now I, I do know it was probably field of dreams. Field right? of dreams is one of my top three movies. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's, that's, if you're going to rank the best baseball movies ever, that's an easy top easy. three. Easy. What, okay, so what else, though? Like, are you a Bull Durham fan? I did like that one an awful lot. I like that one. I liked uh, Pride of the Yankees is probably my favorite. Biases aside, if you know the story of Lou Gehrig, it's just, uh, it's an epic one. I'll put Field of Dreams too. The, and now, this is going to drive some of our Yankee fans nuts, but Fever Pitch. You, do you see that one? Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's about an avid Red Sox fan, but in many ways, that lifestyle was very, very relatable to me, especially for, what's that? It's good. Oh, it's a great, oh, great movie. Great movie. You don't even have to like baseball to like it. It's a, uh, I would put Fever Pitch in the top three, believe it or not, despite the Red Sox ties there. I I, I like baseball, but I don't love Drew Barrymore. Oh, shoot. (laughs) This keeps happening. I keep bringing up actors that I'm not a huge fan of. I've got to stop doing that. <laughs> so who else is on the list? <laughs> is definitely not going to tune in at any time. And now no. it sounds like Drew Barrymore's. Drew Barrymore's also not going to be tuning yeah. into the podcast. <laughs> it's not that I dislike everything that she does because she's she actually has done some really great stuff. But there's also like two characters that she can play. And if that character has a brain injury, she's in great shape. But I just feel like she plays the same thing. All the time. Okay, I'm done. What, I'm sorry. What about like Charlie's Angels, Drew Barrymore? Does she, she kind that was kind of like a unique role, right? I did not see that one. Okay. That was a very impressionable movie for a fifth grader, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> what did that 
do for you? Maybe I shouldn't ask this. That may be a wrong question to take. Uh, you know what? It was at the time like where you're like fifth grade, so you're like 10, so you like can't yeah. quite like get the full permission of your parents to see PG-13 movies. But we used to have like a friend who he lived up the block from a blockbuster and much more lax parents. So like yeah. you would go there if you want to watch like Meet the Parents, uh, Charlie's Angels, uh, all the movies like that you wouldn't be able to watch at your parents' house. You would go yeah. to the Eurasic house and, and watch them there. If, if, if anyone in the Eurasic family is tuning in yeah. to this, by the way, I apologize for blowing your cover. But, yeah, that's what we, that's what we used to do at your house. <laughs> Did the parents watch with you or was it like they just were okay with you guys watching them so you'd go off somewhere else? Yeah, they would take us to the blockbuster, let us get the movies that we'd want that, you know, and I, of course, I'm like, hey, Nick, why don't we, let's watch this one. Like, I don't think it back in my head, like, yeah, mom and dad, like, wouldn't let me watch that one. It wouldn't take me to see that. It's like, let's, let's, get, let's do Meet the Parents and, you know, stuff like that. We would, uh, yeah, they would, they would take us, they would rent it for us and, yeah, wow. we'd just kick back and, yeah, that was, uh, that was very, very good memories. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> So I, I feel like I told you this though, I wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 or R movies as a kid. However, I saw Les Mis when I was eight, which makes absolutely no sense. But there was, like, we couldn't even, our parents would say, don't watch them at sleepovers. I remember there was one movie that we watched. I don't think we knew how bad it was. Um, it was a movie called, was it Magic? I think it was just called Magic. And it was about a creepy mannequin who comes to life. So not only was it scary, which is not good, but there was there was a boob in there. Like, wow, okay, that's a real deal. Yeah, we were in like fourth grade, and we're all like, (laughs) (laughs) you can do that. Yeah, it was. uh, I don't think I told. Sorry, mom. Just so you know, I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. It was called Magic, not Mannequin, right? Because there's... It was Magic. No, okay. not Mannequin. Not the really bad 80s Mannequin movie. I know <laughs> that one. I saw that. No, this was um, Anthony Hopkins and... Oh, shoot. And margaret That's a good cast. That's a yeah. good cast. But when you're in fourth grade and you see boob on screen, like, hey, that was, was a little weird. <laughs> Were they, were your parents pretty strict about what you could watch and not watch? You know, it's funny, they were, but we grew up with like a crazy Italian family. So the stuff that we'd hear at like the dinner table where they were like letting us stay up till like one, two in the morning, like while all the company was still yeah. here, um, like that was totally fine. Like, uh, but yeah, the, the, for some reason, like the, the movies, they were a little bit stricter on. I remember like even we couldn't watch like the, the Brady Bunch movie. Like, if you want to talk about, like, the one like, from the 90s, parameters. the one from the 90s, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's understandable, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the original show, what that's I don't know about that, but yeah, the, the movie was definitely, yeah, a little more, yeah, like even stuff like that. So, yeah, they were they were tight on that, but otherwise, not not super strict. Not we, super we, uh, it was good. <laughs> We've got a question from the audience, Ken is asking whether it was Anthony Hopkins or Anne Margaret's boob. Okay, Ken is another friend of ours from high school. I feel sometimes it's like babysitting and not getting paid with you guys. I swear. <laughs> and Margaret. I'm glad the world is. I'm a little disappointed by that answer, to be honest. <laughs> okay, next topic. Um, so, 
So how many, this is going to sound weird, but since it's behind you, how many signed balls do you have? Wow. That's a <laughs> good question. Um, let me try to do math here. Um, th there's over a hundred. There are over a hundred. Most of these are my dad's. It's, yeah. it's a, it's not the easiest hobby to like, to, to maintain. It's, you know, it's, I always, the thing I like about it more is like the story behind like, you know, actually if you meet someone, yeah. Um, and you get, if you get the baseball sign, but yeah, a lot of this stuff is, uh, before, you know, baseball memorabilia was an in industry, but yeah, there's yeah. quite a few. <laughs> what, what was your first one? Do you remember? Al Ripken Jr. That was the first one. I didn't meet him, but that was one, that was a birthday gift. I think as uh, as a kid, Cal Ripken yeah. Jr. Yeah, not a Yankee, but this is a weird question. Do you keep a ball on hand just in case you run into somebody? We used to. Wait, did you like research me or something like? <laughs> I never even brought that up on the podcast. No, no. I but I would think that you would. I mean, if you're going to a game, there's a chance. You we, know, well, a game, yes, and Maybe even psycho. Don't do that. No, no. I'm gonna show you something kind of funny here. If I could, just cruise around it. with a baseball in your back pocket. You know, you're still a little funny, but. <laughs> This was this was nuts. So we were actually going Broadway Connection, baseball Broadway Connection. We were yep. going to see Moving Out on Broadway, Ooh. and we were going the great Billy Joel yeah. musical. Yeah. Twyla Tharp uh, choreographed it, and we were going to meet Michael Cavanaugh after the show. Yeah. Um, we knew he was a big Indians fan, but he uh, he was, he played he played the piano man. He actually got nominated for a Tony for like. Yeah. Like, let's bring a baseball. It'd be, like, kind of cool to have. Like, we had a couple of non-players, like, you know, on the shelf, you know, fun little crossover. So we're going to dinner before the show. And I'll never forget, we were, we were sitting down, and, like, we had heard rumblings, like, Don Larson is in the lobby of the, of the restaurant. Yeah. And then we all of a sudden, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Oh, uh, Ron Guidry is in the lobby of the restaurant. It's like, what's going on here like these are some you know prominent yankees yeah. it turns out that it was the the next day at yankee stadium was old timers day and the yankees team was ha like all the old timers were having a reunion at ruth chris steakhouse right near the theater so what do you think we have the baseball right it was my birthday like two days later my you know we mentioned it to the manager and lo and behold you have all these old timers oh, on this cool. baseball on there wow. yeah so that's kind of, uh, that's where it comes in handy to randomly bring a baseball around with you, I guess, right? Yeah, I'm not crazy. I think, <laughs> my goodness. That's, okay, so taking it over, over to Broadway, because yes, I like baseball. I'm no good at it. I never became a professional. I know that's a shock, but <laughs> when, what was yes. the first Broadway show? Yes. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah, young. you still got time. Right, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> You know, I just had a birthday. <clears throat> so, <laughs> yes, happy belated. Yeah, thanks. Yay. <laughs> uh, what was the first Broadway show you saw? Once Upon a Mattress. Okay. Was that Sarah Jessica Parker? It was Sarah Jessica Parker, yes. And that was, I was said, I was seven at the time, yeah. And that was, uh, you never forget it. I, I still like, you know, people ask, I'm sure you've been asked the same thing, you know, what's your favorite Broadway show? show it doesn't even have to be brought up here movie so much of it is like the experience like surrounding the night that like factors into the answer right and i think that, you know something about seeing your first especially as like a young kid and it's, it's funny that was at the broadhurst theater and if it had been that was 97 like something 
stood out to me about like the chandeliers like in the theater that night and then you know i've been back to the broadhurst since like in recent years to see like anastasia and then jag a little pill um, and it was funny I, when i saw jag a little pill i was with my sister and i was like and we were like sitting right below one of the chandeliers i'm like you know when we when we saw once upon a mattress the thing was like the most fascinating thing in the world to me and just like little stuff like that and you know i still the soundtrack to that is great, like the minstrel, the jester and I and yeah. all that stuff. So like if people ask my favorite, that's still up there for sure. I agree. I mean, I think that is, it is, this is not whiskey. It is, 90% of it is, is the experience or going out before or after or meeting somebody at the stage door, that kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. it's actually Eric who was listening on earlier. Um, Eric had an extra ticket to see Dear Evan Hansen. What was that last year? And that was one of the most interesting experiences for him and for me, because he'd already seen it. I'd never seen it. And he said it was so interesting to see it with a mom. I said, what, because I like snot ugly cried through some of it. But he said, it's just a different experience when you see it with a different person and what they get out of it and, and that sort of thing. Like we're talking about Town, love it. Um, I obviously am a very shy person, um, but the person that was sitting next to me randomly said, hey, you know, have you seen, have you seen this show before? I was like, no. And he goes, well, I haven't seen it either. Do you see a lot of shows? And I was like, I literally just got off a plane from Ohio. So no, not a whole lot. Turns out the dude's from Missouri. So we're both two idiotic Midwesterners talking about this show before it starts. We held each other at the end. It was so impactful. And that was like <laughs> holding a random like, oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. But thinking, same thing, like looking at the theater and seeing where things were, it's just, you're, you're fascinated by the whole aesthetic of the thing, not just the show itself. It's amazing. Sorry. I <laughs> I know, I'm right there with you. Oh, it's tough. What is, which it's so weird that you have a podcast where both things are essentially more or less shut down completely right now. Like, what is the status with baseball? I, they're still trying, aren't they? Yeah, they're, well, they're playing. They're trying to play. Um, it has not been that easy. I mean, if one guy gets COVID on the entire team, um, your whole team has to, you know, go into more or less a quarantine of a few days to trigger enough negative tests. And in the meantime, all of your games against your certain opponent for that weekend gets canceled. And then all of a sudden you're playing that other team has to play a whole bunch of double headers because of that. That just happened with the Yankees and Mets actually. Oh, wow. um, the Mets got COVID down and two Mets got COVID in Florida and they canceled the whole weekend series. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, the Yankees and Mets are playing two double headers this weekend because of it. Thankfully, they're in the same city, nonetheless. But, um, you know, they're, they're trying. It's, 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 this is a serious year. And I think that the other thing that they're really going to have to consider, because they're only doing 60 games. I'm sure Ben knows this, but Chris, usually baseball schedule is 162 games. They're doing 60 games this year. Wow. Um, just, you know, there was a lot of talk going into it. You know, you're going to play, but is it a true champion? I think that with everything that a lot of these players have to overcome and all the, all the precautions that they have to take, there's a lot to be said for the last team standing. But I will say if they're going to, you know, do this postseason, which is usually in October, when the games really count, uh, they're going to have to do some sort of a bubble, similar, similar to what the NBA is doing, where they're all in one place. You can't have, you know, guys traveling from city to city like this where it might be you know, this virus might be peaking in one place as opposed to the other. And then all of a sudden you have to shut down everything. And the, you're, ne you're never going to finish the playoffs that way. There was a lot of resistance to an idea like that 
you know, to do the whole season because, yeah. you know, to keep these guys away from their families for two months. But, you know, when the games count, if you can do it for one month, um, I think it's something they really have to consider. I, I saw something, I think, on like the CBS early morning show about the NBA players and how they're all stationed at a hotel in Disneyland area and they can't. One guy said, I haven't seen my wife and kids for six months. Like, I get the paycheck, but my gosh, that's a long time. Like, one to two months doesn't seem that bad. Quite frankly, I would love one to two months in a hotel. That sounds fantastic <laughs> right now. Um, but... <laughs> And you can do a lot worse than the Grand Floridian or wherever they're, whatever nice amenities that they're staying in in Disney, I'm sure. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> um, poor things. Sounds terrible. <laughs> Want to come homeschool at my house? See what that's like? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry. I digress. It's been a long week and it's only Tuesday. So, <laughs> but obviously, I mean, they can't do that with Broadway. There's no way because so much of that is getting the audience in. And you've had... I am, I am like completely fangirling over some of the people that you have talked to. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is, how do you not flip out with some of the people you talk to? It, it, I, I do flip out sometimes. <laughs> I, 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 you've, I, you've picked, I'm glad that you've listened to the episodes that you have. There are definitely like, there's fanboy moments. <laughs> Believe yeah. me, it's happened. Do you feel, do you get like, I don't know what I'm saying, because you have to do a lot of research before you do your stuff i mean I yeah know. yeah you um you have to do a lot of research sometimes like with the so if we're going to talk about the episodes where you fanboy or fangirl or whatever um <laughs> if you you know like i'm just going to give you an example like johnny damon is yeah. was one of my guys growing up so we speak the same language. First of all, on the baseball front, I know a lot about him. It's very easy to have a conversation. Um, for someone though, yes, who, you know, you've become a fan of in recent years, yeah. uh, who you don't know a ton of their backstory. You've seen them in a few Broadway shows and you love what they do. You know them through their cast albums, but you know, we know what a podcast is. It's a real deep dive medium. You want to bring out the person the best way that you can and show a different side of them. There's a lot of research that goes into it. And, you know, you try to keep things. One thing I learned, I'm sure that you two can attest to this. Like when I, when I first started this, I always thought that there like had to be like a game plan and we're going to do A, B, C, D, E. We'll make sure we touch on this and let, let's sit, let's stick to the game plan. Don't have a game plan. You, you get so much more out of that person. And if you have, you have to know your stuff, of course. Um, but if you're excited to sit down with the, person that you're chatting with if you know your stuff that'll all come up organically uh, and you put on a great episode so we've been pretty lucky with that for sure that's always the most interesting stuff too is like we can get somebody who's kind of off the cuff and kind of back and forth and the banter and that kind of thing and yeah it's it's fun to talk about yeah anything with somebody who can rap with you on it yeah oh 100 percent. i don't rap i just want you to know that she does she's being modest she's very no, I good really don't. like there's a, there are things that i can do well and there are things that go really badly and rapping is one of them <laughs> so are you sure that wasn't whiskey in there because maybe if you had whiskey in that little canteen oh, maybe we could get you to rap by the end of this episode no that's um that's how i dance um i'm a good dancer great at weddings really good at weddings but no rapping i don't even think with whiskey would go any better and the problem is I know a lot of, like I know the entirety of crisscross jump jump and I don't have a platform to perform it. 
uh, the classic rap, the crisscross. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Chris, uh, they were both named Chris, I think, weren't they? Anyway, back to Broadway, though. So you, your first show was Once Upon a Mattress, but what are your favorites that you've seen up to this point? Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of them are attested to the experience of going to see them. The best pure show I've seen, you said Dear Evan Hansen earlier, that's right at the top. Um, I also had a lot of fun at a show like Disaster, with shows, you know, which was all 70s music. I really yeah. enjoyed that one. Um, I'm trying to, you know, it's so hard to narrow it down. I hope I'm not, like, insulting anyone. Beautiful was up there. Um, I mean, I love the Cowking. I did see it with Jesse Mueller. Oh, you're killing me. And my sister saw it with Abby Mueller, which I also heard was pretty awesome. And and we had, they actually had Abby on our show, which she was awesome. And I'm sure Jesse's just as cool too. Yeah. Get her on your show. I want to hear her. Yeah, I'm, she's good. She's I'm good. Kidding. Did you see, uh, did you see her in Waitress? No, I have not seen Waitress yet, Alan. Very disappointed in this. Another great songwriter, Sarah Barillas. That music is out there on the soundtrack. Jesse sings it wonderfully. Did you she see didn't get the movie? I did see the movie with uh, Carrie Russell. I saw it before I went to see the show, just so, so I could be able to compare them after. So good. So when you go to Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I was going to say, are you the type when you go to a show, do you try to see the movie first? Like if you're, like you went to see Beetlejuice, did you, you had probably seen the movie first, but if you hadn't, would you have watched the movie first before going into it? You know, it's we, we you and I kind of had this conversation not too long ago about, um, Beetlejuice, I, I think I struggled a little bit with that because I love the movie so much. It's movies don't always translate well into a Broadway show. And that right. that for me was hard because you just can't not have Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice, even though Alex Brightman was phenomenal. It was just so different. There were pieces and parts, but again, I saw it opening of the previews. So they still had a lot of things they were working on, but that one I can't speak to, but with Hades Town, I knew nothing about it going in. I think I had heard "Wait for Me," um, and I sometimes I'll listen to the whole soundtrack. Sometimes I won't. So, like Dear Evan Hansen, I think I only listened to part of the soundtrack, so I knew part of the story, but I had no idea what. I feel like it's better because this is what I do. It's hard to not go see, and you probably get this too, since you've seen enough stuff and you've performed, but. It's hard as an actor director to just sit back and just enjoy without <laughs> being like, well, I, I might have made that. <laughs> like some level of critique, right? Yeah. yeah, to just sit back and literally be entertained is not always easy. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. Um, it, it's funny you mentioned like the, the cast album things like that. That is one rule that I have. I will not listen to the cast album before I go, but the one exception was Dear Evan Hansen because it was so damn hard to get tickets. And eventually I just caved. I'm like, I've heard all this stuff about it. When I was, this was maybe like September, October. And I was, when I finally got tickets, it wasn't going to be till like the following February. I'm like, I, I can't go this much longer without hearing this. I have the tickets now. Like I should get a little sneak listen. And yeah, that was the one exception. But yeah, cast albums, for you, it makes sense, because especially since you know you're teaching the medium, you you, you, know, you kind of need to know what's going on. But. I, I gotta be honest with you, I know so much less than I should. I'm a terrible teacher. It's like the students are like, "Do you know the show?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so 
but I'm trying, I'm working, I'm, I'm getting better, guys. I'm getting better. The quarantine has helped. I got nothing else going on. But um, so as far as like the, the Broadway people that you have spoken to on the podcast, are they all pretty apt and willing to, I know now is a little bit different because obviously like you can be on my podcast and not come in the studio, but. Yeah. You know what? I, I will say that, you know, some of, uh, we've had some amazing people come see us in the studio without a doubt. There were, there were certain people though, where it was certainly easier to set it up now that we're remote and the connection's different. You like to be in person. You, yeah. it, most of our best shows were what we did in person. There's been some really great remote ones. I mean, the connection is just different when you're sitting there alongside someone. Um, but no, we've been fortunate that a lot of the remote episodes have gone really well and that uh, we've gotten to speak to some of the people that we have. And, and you know, for the most part, like any, most of the time, there's been a couple of exceptions, but most of the time when people agree to come on the show, they're excited to do it, yeah. which is, which makes things a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I enjoy the conversation all that much more because of it, you know? Yeah. What podcast do you listen to? Like, what are your, besides Speak Easily with Krista Stauffer, um, what, <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? Good plug. Yeah. I like <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's number your one. show on your show. That's good. <laughs> Not tacky at all, really. Hey guys, keep listening to what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way listen to the podcast no anyway so what do you listen to what are your podcast go-tos rogan always number one um i do like my sports podcast so um actually cc sabathia has a uh, a podcast called r2c2 which is which is pretty cool that he does with a lot of uh former players and people around the game which i enjoy um i would say like religiously those are probably and you know, speak easily, Columbus. That's uh, that's all right. Those are those are the victory. <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's ironically though how we found each other was just through Instagram, just fellow podcasters. And do you find that now that you have your own, do you listen to more podcasts now, or have you always just been a fan? You know, it's funny. I've always been a fan, but it is a line that you draw because you. You know, I want to try to make sure that I always stay true to what works. You always want to evolve. Mm-hmm. I, I like to stay true to my own style. So I try not to overdo it. And yeah. especially, you know, when, when you're putting this much work into every show that you do and you can relate, um, you know, your free time is valuable. And the, the podcast, a podcast is a commitment. And I love that commitment. Um, but, you know, so especially, you know, during the summer, not as much. I feel like I'm outside more at the beach more and whatnot, but um, I, I try to listen to, I, I try to stay aware of everything that's going on. I'm so excited that Rogan's going to be on Spotify now, obviously. Um, that's, uh, that was big. And yeah, you know, you try to, you try to stay up to date with what people are doing, but you also don't want it to interfere with what you're doing. And of course your free time, which is uh, yeah. super important. Sometimes. I mean, right now, <laughs> have a little more free time than I would really like, just to be honest, but yeah. Have you, what is your dream guest, I guess? Somebody you haven't had on that you really want to get on the show. Wow. Besides me, I mean, we took care of that tonight. I'm here, it's fine. (laughs) That's, that is tough. Um, You dream, um, 
like, I mean, you know, there's, I could name a handful of baseball players where it'd be a dream come true. You want to keep it realistic. I mean, I would love to sit here and say, I would love to have A-Rod on my show. Um, I love, I love a lot of the TV actors who have done stage work. I would love to have Jenna Fisher on my show. Um, I would love to have Kobe Smolders on my show. And baseball, I'd love to have Derek Jeter, Mark Teixeira. I could go on and on. You know, you try to keep it realistic. We have been for, there have been a couple of dream guests that have come on. So <laughs> Al Roker, you know, yeah. that was a good one. Yeah, Roker was up there. Uh, so you can you can dream with the with yeah. this, which is nice. I mean, you, you try to keep it realistic so you don't disappoint yourself. But uh, you know, you if you if you have a good, this is what I've learned. If you have a good show, I used to worry about like, oh, our social media following isn't that big. Is it worth re even worth reaching out? If you do a good show, people are going to want to come on, and then eventually, uh, if you have a big enough ledger of guests that that. Uh, you know, are really respected, that helps too. And you just try to have fun with it as long as it's fun. If I, if I sat here and worried about, you know, the, uh, you know, how many A-list guests that we got, you know, over the course of what we're about a year into this, um, the show, would, I, I wouldn't be enjoying it and I wouldn't be doing a good show. So you, you can dream, but you try not to let it cloud the, the craft. Absolutely. Well, and I think that probably what you found is that even though you have sort of a niche podcast, you've got people that are listening for specific people. You know, I mean, when I listen to yours, I'm drawn to specific ones. You know, we always try to listen to as many, but truth be told, there's certain episodes of podcasts that are more interesting to us personally than others. With the exception of one of my favorite podcasts, my dad wrote a porno. That whole thing is just entertaining. You should check that one out. It's yeah, just in the title, you could tell that's entertaining. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, that was <laughs> it was one of our guests on our podcast that introduced me to that one, Tom Warren, who's he's a local actor here, but he did Lion King on Broadway for years and out in China, I think, or Japan, one or the other. Um, yeah, he played Timon on Broadway and Zazu. And tells me about this podcast, like, you've got to listen to My Dad Wrote a Porno. And the next day, I'm driving to one of the local colleges to meet up with the, the college professors there. I almost had to pull over on the highway. It was that funny. So I highly recommend My Dad Wrote a Porno as another podcast choice. Don't that, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've got a pretty free Saturday, and I have some time to spend in the sun. I might have to, uh, I might have to listen to that one. I, now, see your Saturday set. You don't have to worry about the weekend any longer. You're good Perfect. <laughs> so what do you, you live in New York City. Right now, things are a little messy, but it's, there's, I'm, I'm hearing things now. I have friends that are in the city that speak differently to it, but I'm hearing people say like the city is dead. The city's not dead. It's just not the same. So what is it like there? Have you been in... <laughs> It's on pause. It's on pause. And you know, I was um, actually, I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but I said this recently, I was talking with Orfe, uh, who actually grew up in Murray Hill, which was the area that I have lived in for the past three years and fell in love with it. Um, so the pandemic hit in March and my buddy, who one of my best friends from high school, who was my roommate for the past three years, um, his parents moved out to California after we finished college. So he went out there. 
And our lease was coming up at the end of May. And he stayed out there. And I think you're seeing a lot of that right now because there, there's, a, you know, as of right now, like we said, it's on pause. There's only so much that you can do. I think the fact that it's summer definitely contributes to that because first of all, during the, I love New York City in the summer, but it's, it's always a different vibe um, than anyway. You have a lot less people, you have a lot less people there because everyone's going to the beach and whatnot. Um, you know, we, we do have a lot to work out though. There's been a lot of crazy stuff happening in New York City during this pandemic. And a lot of it I think is, uh, comes from a, a great spirit. I think that what, you know, what folk, how folks rallied together um, back in June with everything going on socially, I think was wonderful. But, you know, uh, you know, we have a lot to work out. You know, unfortunately, a lot of it is in the hands of this virus, which is bigger than us. But I have no doubt that New York City will be back. I, I, if, and, I, and I can't wait to go back. I came back home in June here to the suburbs and I'm kind of in limbo because, you know, I just, there's so many questions that need to be answered. And if I sit here too hard and try to, you know, lay out a blueprint and lay out a game plan, I'll probably drive myself crazy. So uh, now we'll be back. Are people starting to go back to the city or? You know, I've heard a little bit because the, the rents have gone down a little bit because you have so many people leaving. Um, and we, and where I grew up is maybe of all of a half an hour drive uh, from Manhattan. Um, so people are starting to go back a little bit, but the other thing that you have too, is that so many of these companies now, mine included, we're remote for the foreseeable future. A lot of them aren't even going back till January. So I think, you know, that, that was the, that's a big thing for people. It's, you know, you want to be able to, um, you want to live close to where you work. And that's one of the, I mean, that's one of the things I miss the most about the city is just being able to walk everywhere. You know, we, you know, those walks back from the office and off the subway and everything or things that stand out. But yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, the other part of this is, you know, why would you pay rent, I guess, if, you know, you don't need to be there for work at least right now. And we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Would you go back to the same area then when you move back? I'd love to. I mean, because I was in Midtown East and a lot of what we usually record the show on 53rd and Broadway. Um, That's where our studio is. And one of my, one of my best friends lives on like 56th and 8th. There's a whole lot of great restaurants over there. So where I live though in Midtown East, you can get to anywhere, you can get anywhere you want, whether it be walking uh, by subway, obviously it was so conveniently located. And what was nice about where I lived was that it was, I was on 39th and 2nd. It was somewhat, it was a lot less chaotic than, you know, like up by Broadway and everything, you know, it's a little crazy over there by Hell's Kitchen, Columbus Circle. Uh, so you still have like, you, you can, ha- you can find that piece, which is important too. Yeah. Um, so I, I would go back to that area. And, you know, there's also some other areas that I, you know, kind of like to take a chance on because you've been in the same place for three years. It's like, maybe try a different flavor. So We'll see what happens after this and what the uh, rents look like. Oh, man. Is it, what are you hearing from, I, I listened to your interview with Leslie Kritzer, which was phenomenal. Um, she's, she is so sweet. I, I have not met somebody so sweet in a long time. Um, but she talked a little bit about how is Broadway going to come back? And I know something she said that she'd spoken to someone else about when we do come back, we need to be back. We can't try to come back and then have to shut down again. Like where are a lot of people standing that have been out of work because of this? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the big thing because it's it's an embarrassing look, and then it'll make people even more afraid. You know, the audience. Um, what I'm hearing is that you're probably gonna have a very controlled reopening in the beginning. You're gonna have three or four of the big guys open up. Um, originally, I thought that it was going to be maybe some of the off-Broadway shows. We try to come back and try it out, see how it goes. But I think what you're more likely is going to see like a Hamilton, Deer Evan Hansen, and uh, Lion King or something um, to see how it goes. I think it'll probably be in the spring. Um, I think a big part of it is going to depend on if we have a vaccine. But yeah, I think that it's going to be a slow, controlled reopening. What I do hope, especially for all the folks that are out of work, is you're starting to see now a lot of these Broadway performers are doing, uh, they're doing concerts at actual concert venues with great acoustics and things like that. Um, and they are the best performers in the world. And you know, they, they still have a platform where they can perform and it, you know, provide some income to them, which is nice to see. But, um, you know, you hope is, you know, we start to eat. I think that's a step in the right direction, right? So maybe we're getting closer to some sort of a reopening, um, but yeah, I think that the spring you're going to see something slow and controlled and then hopefully by next summer we're back in full swing. I think that would be pretty cool. It's awful. <laughs> it all just sucks. I mean, yeah. even here, I know that Ohio's slightly different than New York. <laughs> as far as where things are and politics and what, anyway, beyond that, but we just got word for our company that I think 15% reopening so that theaters can now reopen to 15% capacity, which like you said, some of the off-Broadway places could, but it's not financially re reasonable for them to do it. So that makes sense that the bigger ones would be the companies because they can get the money. <laughs> right. And I mean, the other thing with Broadway too, is, you know, a big chunk of that audience are tourists and how, you know, yeah. you have to see, you know, when that picks back up. Um, so you think yeah, it, Sorry, I'm just No, up. I didn't have that anything that important to say. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you think that um, some of these shows are just never going to come back? Well, Frozen already uh, announced that they're done. I think you'll see a couple. I think um, that's tough. I think I mean, you'll see a few. I think, I think the majority will. I guess my worry is that they are going to have to put out these exorbitant ticket prices to make any sort of rational opening decision. Meaning that unfortunately then we're back to it becoming this elitist thing of you have to have tons of money to go see this, this show. That's right. I know you're not going to have those Broadway lotteries, like, you know, which is the way that so many of the true and passionate fans get their tickets. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I know. You know, you know, all the budgets that go into these productions, unfortunately, that's going to have final say, I think, um, with a lot of this. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, I mean, some aren't going to come back. You know, we got to see how it goes uh, when they try in the beginning and um, yeah, then go from there. Do you think that they'll do more streaming like they did with Hamilton? Because I know Disney Plus probably is swimming in there. <laughs> Uncle Scrooge goldmine from DuckTales at this point like yeah you know I think that what they're going to try to do is I mean listen Hamilton's as big as it gets they are on on Netflix they're going to stream uh Diana on Broadway which yeah. was just set to yeah. open 
right before this pandemic hit. Um, so I could see that happening, especially, you know, we're going to hopefully within the next few months, we're going to get a real clear picture of what's next. So um, depending on how something like Diana goes, which hadn't even opened yet, there were no real reviews, on, you know, and audience reception because no one had really seen it at the time we shut down. Um, depending on how that goes, yeah, why not put Moulin Rouge on one of these streaming services or, uh, you know, I know they're going to make a Dear Evan Hansen movie, so that's probably a bad example, but, a, you know, a Jagged Little Pill or something right. like that, or Six was another one that was really, people were excited about. So, so they should definitely do that. And then they, there's stuff out there. They have been, there are so many shows that have been filmed over the years that they, they could, they could do that. And, you know, you hope that the creatives and the performers that were involved, you know, reap some of the benefits of that. Right. That's for sure. If, if the world was not, Awful. Um, <laughs> like you're just, you know, it's a big ask. You know? <laughs> you know, what show would you be seeing next? Like what would be on your, your list if everything was still open? Yeah, I mean, I had, it's funny. I think it was April 2nd. I had tickets to see Moulin Rouge. Um, I was dying to see that. Um, but if I, yeah, I think I think I got to say Moulin Rouge because it's fresh in my mind that I didn't get to uh, just before this pandemic hit. So that's, we'll go with Moulin Rouge. That's another one I'd like for you to have on your podcast is Air to Bait. Um, if you could work on that, that'd be great. We've tried, you know. <laughs> you know, if, if you need to pass him on to another podcast, I mean, although he, that was another name that came up with the, uh, our guest Maria, my one of my former students, was just cast in Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. Um, now she's unfortunately back here in Ohio. So, <laughs> but we did talk about if that comes up. So you can just start the wedding process. I'm sure it'll be totally not weird at all. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Not. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> No, so Moulin Rouge, what other, what other stuff has been out there that you would have, you said six, you didn't see six, did you? I didn't see six, and I, Abby Mueller is awesome, she's one of the cooler people in this industry, so I will have to go and see her yeah. uh, when Broadway comes back. One show that I really want to see open, um, and I hope it gets some legs, you know, if Broadway's doing well, they did an out-of-town out tryout of The Heart of Rock and Roll, which has the music of Huey Lewis in the News. I need to see that show. It needs to happen. I mean, the, the song catalog is iconic. It's supposedly a really good story. And Katie Rose Clark is starring in it. She's one of the best. Um, she, uh, we had her on the show too. And she, um, yeah, you, you, you root for your friends, obviously. But yeah, well, let's let's get that to Broadway. That's one that like I would, oh, that love would be to cool. See. Do you? How do you feel about these like jukebox type musicals? I mean, some of them are. I didn't see moving out, but I heard great things about it. Um, I was a part of Saturday Night Fever. I won't say the same about that kind of story. Um, <laughs> but what do you say, you know, it might have been the fact that we performed it for a month. It was really long. But what do you say to some of these jukebox type musicals? Are you a fan of them? Most of the ones that I, I'm pretty picky about what I actually go to see. So I, the ones that I've seen, they have been, Outstanding. I mean, you know, the beautiful, the Carol King musical, Jagged Little Pillows, of course, the Lotus Moors, uh, Moving Out, like you mentioned, was great. If I try to sit down and, you know, evaluate any of the 
the shows that I've seen, most of them have been pretty good. But unfortunately, sometimes you get you have them get it dead wrong. Like they tried to do the Beach Boys with Good Vibrations, and the thing was a disaster. I think it made it um, open for previews like in December or something like that, and I don't think the show lasted until April. So unfortunately, you do have a lot of that. I, the only reason I went to that, I was the biggest Beach Boys fan growing up. I kind of had to be there. Um, but the ones that are uh, pretty negatively reviewed, I understand why people feel that way. But, you know, I'd like to think that the, the good outweighs the bad right. for most, for, as far as the number of shows that actually make it on. Yeah. I mean, because some of them will shut even before previews are done, right? Oh, yeah. There was, um, uh, what was the one that, well, I, I don't think The Graduate had a very long run. And that's like the most iconic song catalog of all time um there was one the springsteen musical i don't oh, think yeah not 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 springsteen on broadway but like back in the day that didn't even make it out of previews oh no what you did you ever perform like even as a kid were you in shows yes sixth through eighth grade i was still able to uh you were still able to do both simultaneously it changed a little bit when yeah. you get to high school and i put my character shoes away <laughs> as they say but i did perform in the shows better, better than second dance belt thank you <laughs> <laughs> what did you do what roles did you play so i got pretty lucky with most of the the shows that i did i mean at, like i used to go they used to the first show i did was mary poppins i played bird that was like a saturday it was like a Saturday series thing in the town. You know, I think they maybe had all of five guys in the cast and like 25 girls or something like that. Not that many kids were signing up to be in, in those shows. But then um, when I went to junior high, we did a Christmas Carol. I was Bob Crotchet. Um, and then we did Peter Pan. Ironic, I was one of the, I was one of the lost boys, but then I started to take it really seriously. And I did like theater camps and stuff like that. We did babes in arms at one of the theater camps. I went to, I think, I, I hope I'm not confusing the shows that we did babes in arms once. And we did the boyfriend once. And I remember one of my characters names was Val. Is that babes, of, babes in arms? Or is I, don't, that? I don't know. Babes in arms. Okay. So it was, I think, I think Mickey Rooney, babes in arms, Val. But when I got to junior high, we did the music man and I played Harold Hill. And that's really? like, that was like, that was cream of the crop because it was a school production and you're actually competing against yeah. the peers and whatnot. And that was, uh, that was a cool one. That's a lot of words too. I mean. Yeah. Trouble. That's that song. Trouble is like to this day, it haunts me. And I probably, you had to memorize all of it. And if I'm not going to do it here do on it. your show, but I mean, the, the <laughs> he's a, Parlor tricks, Krista. <laughs> no, it's, I won't, I will make you do that someday, though. Someday, you're, yeah, you're gonna have to go back. Oh, only for you, Krista. You I appreciate go. that. We'll have a special rebroadcasting of Al Malafronte singing, well, you got trouble, my friends. I actually do know all the words as well, because I'm a giant nerd, and I memorize them. <laughs> yeah. You, Keep going. Do you remember, like, not, I'm, again, I'm not trying to like dig you to do this, but would you remember the words if you had to? Yeah, uh, sure, I'm a billiard player. Certainly mighty proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say it. I, uh, it the, hours I, the hours I spend with the cue in my hand are golden. Help you cultivate horse sense. The cool, cool head and a keen eye. 
and then it got really fast. I don't remember that. And then I remember trouble right here in River City. Trouble with the Capitol too. Oh yeah, the billiard shot. Yes, that line. That line. <laughs> wow, you're better than me. You didn't even play Harold Hill. You were more a Marion the Librarian no, no, no. type. So no, I, I don't. I'm not the ingenue for anything. Yeah. None. None of that here. <laughs> Never the romantic lead. Usually the hag or the hussy or the comic relief. That's that's about all I got. So yeah, you know, that's cool. It's a good toolbox. Is it? Toolbox. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, like, I remember we did one of the, the pinnacle moments for me was doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I still remember the order of the colors. Red, yellow, green, brown. Like, I, I remember the order of that. But I cannot tell you any of the lines that I had in Saturday Night Fever, which went on in the month of December. No idea. Don't recall any line. Nothing. Wait, were you the narrator in Joseph? No, Joseph was pretty cool experience. So when the Broadway series comes through Columbus in Joseph, they hire local children's choirs to do the kids stuff so that they don't have to tour with kids. Um, so for two weeks, we, we got to do the, the Broadway series production of Joseph with the company. And that time it was still equity. Um, but yeah, we, that was, that was kind of a defining moment for Krista's freshman year of high school that actually solidified. This is what I want to do. So it was pretty neat. Yeah, that's amazing. I, and that's, I'm so, it's so cool to see that, you know, you've pursued it beyond that as, you know, a life and that's, uh, you know, I mean, for me, it's like the podcast is an outlet. I mean, I wish that this is what I, I was working in either baseball or yeah. Broadway. Uh, it's my day job, maybe one day, but I mean, it's, you know, you could dream and that's really cool. I could tell how passionate you are it's, when you talk about but it. So. Like the podcast though, it's something that, that fills another piece that's not there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's a, it's a passion project. You wouldn't put all the effort into doing it if it wasn't. So would no, you, of course. Would you be a sports announcer? Like, is that ever a goal? Yeah, I would. That, absolutely. That's a goal. Um, I, I, it's, that's, I mean, yeah, you dream obviously, but uh, you know, it's funny though with our, with our podcast, I'd say that baseball is probably my first language, theater second, but we, we do speak to a lot more folks uh, in the Broadway community. And I, and I, and at this point I'd say that they're, you know, close to equal passions, which is pretty cool. Baseball is a little bit different because with baseball, you know, there's numbers and stats and there's so much backstory to everything, but you know, the longer, yeah, you know, you've studied theater your whole life. So I'm sure that, you know, the stuff that's out there, um, that you would consider an equivalent of that is just is interesting. And, you know, even for me, it's, I consider myself yeah. a student of theater, let's say, you know, that's. But that's I so, think like so baseball, awesome. I mean, you, you know, baseball fans know the stats and they know, but when you say, oh, I saw Once Upon a Mattress, oh, with Sarah Jessica Parker, was that in the late 90s? So it's the same dorky sense of remembering things, probably a little more widely accepted as baseball stats than nerdy Broadway stats, but it's the same thing, you know, we, we, we get excited about this and you see the history of these people did this, which helped this to be here. And now because of that, we are here. I mean, that's, I think it's the same thing. And just like you say on your podcast, that, that these two mediums are not that different. Right. They, oh, really they really aren't. It's like, yeah, I know. I mean, the one thing that 
fascinates me, especially is the history of award winners and whatnot and how uh, so-and-so won the Tony that year over someone else and what was the narrative behind that. And you get that a lot in baseball too, you know, especially with different MVPs and Cy Young award winners and stuff like that. So in that sense, like I I find that type of stuff super interesting. And that's really, that's like one of the best parallels that I get excited about for sure. And, And like you said, you could be a student of it. You know, you can constantly learn more about something because it is constantly changing. Unfortunately, not right now completely, but it is, <laughs> you know, things are still happening. We're, we're doing virtual productions. And like you said, Broadway people doing streaming events and how do we get this and how do we make it so that we're not dead during this time? Right. So that's so that's cool. True. I, I love your podcast. I love the idea. I, I just think it's brilliant. And I, it's so much fun to talk to another podcaster just to be like, what? we're nuts. Why do we do this? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I, well, thank you. And obviously it's, it's, I love your stuff too. And I appreciate being here. Thank you. We also found out today was exciting in the world of our podcast. I was looking at the stats and we've got a fan in California. I don't know who they are, but somebody in San Fran is like digging the podcast. So thank you, San person. Thank, yep, you. thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Whoever you are, feel free to drop us a line and uh, maybe we'll chat with you at some point. Check out what's going on with you in San Francisco. I'm not going to San Francisco. I know, but we can I'm do not... a Zoom with somebody in San well, Francisco. As long as technology, technology makes all these things possible. It's wonderful. Didn't we talk we had... about Go ahead. No, I was going to say, we had the music rights. This would be a perfect time to play. Like, are you going to San Francisco? You know, uh-huh. that, would be, that would be, that would be appropriate here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I had to get the melody down. Yeah. It was a hippie song. Major it was. Yeah. It was a hippie song. Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> I also that we were, when we were talking about San Francisco, we called it, is it the Golden, the Golden Gate? Made famous by the Full House opening credits, of yeah. course. <laughs> but I said Golden Gate Killer. It's not the Golden Gate Killer. It's the Golden, Golden State, State Killer. Golden State Killer, right. Yeah, he did so not kill the Golden Gate Bridge. No, I know. <laughs> I, just, I put the killer in the wrong spot. That's all there is to it. <laughs> so if it is the Golden State Killer that is the one listening to our podcast, I mean, that's super cool. I guess. I, I guess. Watch out for the bath salt zombies, I guess, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Al. You're amazing. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so for much. having me. This was awesome. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys. Bye. What am I doing? How do I, do leave? I hit, Do I leave meeting? I, I love that this is all live, that we're like, how do I get out of here? How do I get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> Are you ending it then? Oh, I can't. Ben, you're on mute, dude. Come on. Jeez. I have pushed to talk on, so I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, we're out. We're no longer live at this point. Oh, that was awesome. I hope I gave you guys what you needed. I hope everyone finds it interesting. Yes, thank you. No, it really, I mean, it's been interesting to hear, like, your journey as a podcaster because, yeah, we've got some around here, but there's not that many. No. And a lot of them are really not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys are great, so that's all I Thank counts, you. So. Thank we just you. Have fun. We, 
We don't have an agenda. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, as we were talking, Eric, uh, known Schwander uh, was like, is like, oh, I just subscribed to his podcast too. So it like, oh, tell him thank talking, you. I knew I know enough about him that like I was like, oh wow, yeah, this is like a perfect cross section of things for Eric. So yeah, he's yeah. yeah. Can I comment on that too? I'll comment on the Facebook thing here. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And yeah. once we I think either next week or the week after this will go up, then we'll make sure to tag and post and everything. So yep. and I'll do the same. I mean, our we have a decent Instagram following. At least it's good for a podcast. Whatever you need me to throw up there, just uh shoot cool. it my way. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Oh. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you guys. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Thanks. All right. Talk Bye. soon. Bye. Have a good night. You too. And it's just me. Stop recording now, Ben. Boxland Media. Think big.